Hello, my name is Dr. Len Baer. It's another Sunday, July 9th, 2023. I consider this podcast to be a chronicle of the extra, extraordinary lawsuit targeted Justice V. Garland. And this is week 28 update. Before we begin, I want to express my sincere gratitude to everyone who reached out to me with awards of support after I shared my private moment, a recording of myself during a directed energy attack. I struggled with this decision, whether to post it, but in the end, it was the right thing to do because it's true. And you confirmed my intuitions. Thank you again from the bottom of my heart for the overwhelming support and for sharing your stories about your attacks. I understand firsthand the pain you're going through and I deeply sympathize with you. Now let's read the top comment from the last week podcast uh, comment section. Uh, at No Political Parties writes, great speech, Goji, and awesome points, Anna and Len, answering the call and wondering why Congress has not stepped in to stop this. Yes, indeed, great comment. And with that, let's introduce our guests to navigate the legal milieu of our groundbreaking lawsuit. Here with us, the engine that keeps running, the protector of our rights, the warrior for whom defeat is not an option, attorney for the plaintiffs, amazing Anna Toledo. How are you this Sunday, Anna? I'm good. I'm so happy to be joining you and Chad. And thank you for the for the wonderful for the wonderful words. You know that really, it's fuel. It's fuel for my soul. So thank you. Good morning. Good morning. You're welcome, Anna. Uh, and our special guest today is a podcaster, a co-host of Basement Hangout. Uh, someone who is not a targeted individual. And joining us from an undisclosed basement, Chad. Welcome to the Sunday Update, Chad. Thank you, uh, Len. I really appreciate the opportunity to be here and talk about the subject. Excellent. We are happy to have you. On the last show, which we call Carnival of Deception, we reviewed seven different versions of the nomination process to the Terry Searching Database. None of them match the other, including the most recent version provided to us by the official capacity defendants in the form of the de declaration by acting deputy director for terrorist screening center, it's a mouthful, Samuel Robinson, who informed us that the database contains individuals who are neither terrorists, nor suspected terrorists. That revelation should send shockwaves through our citizenry, not only throughout the targeted community, but all Americans. It's so brazenly unconstitutional, so in your face illegal, that it left, left me somewhat speechless, but Anna helped me. Um, and you listeners were right to point out uh, that the Congress must look into this matter immediately and without delay. Anna, it's been 28 weeks since we filed the lawsuit. Please give us an update on what's going on with the case. Anna? Well, yes. It, well, this week, nothing really happened because we're on a waiting game. We're uh, tomorrow, the 10th of July is the deadline for the individual capacity defendants to submit their sir reply to the opposition to the motion to dismiss that I filed against the motion to dismiss they filed. Once that is filed, I guess the judge will, um, you know, decide, will rule upon the two pending motions to dismiss, which is the individual capacity defendants and the official government position. She also has other things um, to adjudicate. For example, I have asked for an oral argument uh, to, uh, to, to, for the in support of the preliminary motion for preliminary injunction in that motion we basically asked uh, the court look it is uncontroverted 
that Homeland Security Presidential Directive doesn't only allows for the listing of known and suspected terrorists. It is uncontroverted, pursuant to Timothy Grow and 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 every all the records here that there's a lot of people, 97% of the people in that on that list uh, do, are do not fit the known and suspected terrorist uh, definition or reasonable suspicion or uh, um, grounded motive. So they shouldn't be there. So uh, it is also known that uh, Timothy Gross said that we do all targeted individuals, all non-investigated subjects, all people in Handling Codes 3 and 4 do not represent a terrorist threat. Therefore, eliminating them from the list is not going to do any damage to the United States of America in terms of terrorism or national security because they don't represent a terrorist threat. And that is, I, I, I have to read it because he says, uh, he says that these people do not undergo heightened av aviation security at airports because they are not considered known or suspected terrorists. Therefore, eliminating them from the list would not do any harm. And, and that's what we're doing in the uh, preliminary injunction. We're saying to the judge, you know, this list that gets distributed among thousands and thousands of people probably gets to the millions that get to see it. Uh, well, this the, the, you have you have to order you please order please order the FBI on a national level to remove the names of those that don't belong there because they're not known as suspected terrorists. And then the other thing that is pending is the request for limited discovery uh, on the TSDB status of our uh, eighteen plaintiffs. And so um, we just you know I want to reiterate because uh, because it's easy to get disappointed that. As I, I know I sound like, you know, like, like a, this is a mantra, but, you know, in, in anything that we think it's not fair that we don't prevail, we will go to the Fifth Circuit, and, you know, because that's the right of plaintiffs to do. That's number one. And number two, that um, a, if we weren't confident that this lawsuit, this 125-page lawsuit that is 80% grounded on government documents, on depositions, on sworn testimony, a, it, it almost meets the standard, the threshold of, of motion for summary judgment as it pertains to the illegality of having innocent civilians on a terrorist database. So that's why uh, we are very confident that that um, that the law and the truth is, is, is on our side and, and we'll have soon, probably within two weeks, probably um, we'll have... Um, uh, a disposition on this first part, and then probably a hearing scheduled for the uh, preliminary injunction, which we will notify with sufficient time because Goji is organizing uh, for people to come into Houston and we're gonna do a rally and we want people to get their targeted justice t-shirts and come because it's this. this is not just about targeted individuals. This is about the basic freedoms in our nation to be able to be a whistleblower, to be able to exert our freedom of speech without fear of retaliation or fear of being put in a McCarthy list. So it, it, that's what's at stake here. It's not just freeing 300 plus thousand of innocent civilians from torture it is preventing that this travesty continues. So that's my update for the week. Len? Very good. Thank you. Thank you, Anna, for this. So we're all waiting for tomorrow for the final document to be filed. Um, and um, I'd like to uh, go in depth into some of the arguments that the defendants make. I noticed that they claim certain privileges that um, I would like us to um, discuss. So these are some of the defendant, defendants' arguments. Uh, they claim law enforcement privilege. And Anna, you will explain to us how this privilege doesn't really apply in this case. And then the second privilege, not really a privilege, but they express national security concerns. And it turned out that it is not a legally recognized privilege. So it, the government is kicking and screaming to, 
to dismiss this case, but the arguments they're making are not really making any sense. So let's go, let's look into the law enforcement privilege. Uh, defendants say that the government does not publicly uh, disclose whether an individual is in the database. Such status is protected by the law enforcement privilege. And I put the docket number for those uh, of you who would like to look at the original documents. But let's see what the plaintiff says. Uh, Anna? Well, there's first of all, law enforcement privilege applies when there's a criminal investigation and you want to protect confidential human sources and a, also the process of investigation because you want to shield it from public scrutiny because it could affect either that investigation and that prosecution and subsequent investigations or pending ones. But in the case of non-investigative subjects, the, the word, the term that I didn't coin it, it's a, the United States Department of Justice and FBI term, non-investigative subjects describes what it is. People that are not under investigation, people that have been for some of them decades in this list uh, without so much as probable cause of being a terrorist. So the law enforcement privilege cannot apply when it's a grandma, uh, you know, living in Oregon that, and, and, and all of the targeted individuals, you know, that don't, are, are not the subject of a criminal investigation. And, and the reason you know this is because if they were the subject of an investigation, the FBI agents would be able to go to an Article Three court, which is where we are, and with probable cause, submit a sworn statement and say to the judge, I want to be able to do a search and seizure of this person. I want to put a wiretap on this person because these are the elements that I believe this person is a, a criminal or committed crime or involved with terrorism. Instead, they go to the secret FISA court to get warrants to spy on all electronic communications without them being uh, 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 the object of a criminal, real criminal investigation. So it is our position that the law enforcement privilege doesn't apply because of this reason. Now, uh, executive, I have to repeat this because people, uh, uh, the, the government is ignoring this provision that says executive order 13526 provides that in no case shall information be classified continue to be maintained as classified or fail to be declassified in order to conceal violations of law, inefficiency, or administrative error. That is exactly what the list of non-investigative subjects is. It's violations of law putting innocent civilians in a terrorist database. And they cannot claim confidentiality, sensitive information, law enforcement privilege to cover up illegality and that's what we're going to argue to the very end because that is an executive order that um it was it was enacted precisely to prevent using the shields of privilege and confidentiality um a, or classified to hide illegalities by the agency so that's so much for the law enforcement um privilege. I, I really don't think it's applicable. Let me uh, make one uh, clarification. In prior cases challenging the TSDB, uh, the most recent one, one of them being the most notorious one, El Haiti versus Cable in the Western District of, or Eastern District of Virginia. Uh, in that case, the defense, the Department of Justice successfully raised the law enforcement privilege because the plaintiffs were in category two, in, in handling code two. That means that when they were traveling, they always encountered a, a, additional screening because they were uh, deemed suspected terrorists. And uh, they, um, they had to go through a lot of obstacles and hurdles for traveling. That's why they filed the lawsuit. So it is not an accurate statement for the government to say that they don't publicly disclose whether a person is in the TSDB or not, because the law provides 
for a mechanism for those people in category two, in handling code two, to challenge it. Not that it really works very well because it, what it is, is they send, they send the, the information to the nominating field office or agency as a review, review and see if it's, this is well done, you know? And of course, they're not going to say that they made a mistake. So, you know, I, I, the numbers are outrageous in terms of the, the successful challenges to uh, being on handling code two. One of them was Mr. Sadiq Long, who filed a lawsuit and he was taken off the TSDB. And, uh, and interestingly enough, they didn't take off his cars as associated to a terrorist so that he would continue to undergo traffic stops. But, uh, but his name per se was taken off the list. So uh, it's, it's not an accurate statement to say that they don't publicly disclose uh, if the person is in the T. And, and they say, let me clarify this. They say T, TSDS data set because in the TSDB, it is our position, probably contains all the information about the nomination and everything. And they are trying to limit it. They're trying to make the judge believe, you know, it's a data set. No, it's not a, it's not a spreadsheet. It's a database. So, uh, and all the legal documents refer to the terrorist screening database. None of them mention a data set. So that's, that's another inaccuracy that I want to point out. Len? Very interesting. Uh, thank you for this uh, breakdown. Let's move to the next argument. Um, it's not a privilege, but they expressed, the, the government expressed that um, disclosing this information uh, would um, uh, present national security concerns. Uh, specifically, they say this case concerns matters of national security policy, which is the prerogative of the Congress and president, and that this case could set off an inquiry into sensitive issues of national security and call for disclosure of national security information. It's on the docket six, number 60. What do we say to that? What are plaintiff's uh, position, Anna? Well, again, um, it's a... It's not accurate. It's not an accurate statement. And the reason for it is because under uh, former Attorney General Eric Holder, he issued a directive of when you allege, and it's not national security, you allege state secrets. And under the state secrets umbrella, you argue the national security concerns. And that entails a procedure that includes a sworn statement by the attorney general saying that revealing information, which at this point it's it's not you know it's not part of a of of, of a, in front of the judge, revealing information a, that could include military secrets. When you talk about national security, it necessarily means, because of the case, United States Supreme Court case, U.S. versus Reynolds, it necessarily means that you would disclose military secrets. I don't think that that, uh, uh, you know, we all, many of us know the situation of the current defendants before Congress. The Congress is uh, giving them a hard time in, uh, and there are articles of impeachment. And so uh, I believe that, um, you know, th th it's, it's not easy for them to just say under oath for, for the defendant Garland to say under oath that national security is involved when, when this is about, is about putting innocent civilians in a database that is administered by the FBA, F FBI. It's not even... You know, it, it has nothing to do with military secrets, unless they want to admit that this is a heinous human experiment being carried out by the DOD, which I don't think they will do, because, um, you know, I, I don't think they, they would uh, do that. So, honestly, there's no military secrets involved. This is a law enforcement tool that was created to prevent terrorism, that we have testimony under oath saying that it hasn't stopped a single act of terrorism. 
in the El Haiti case. And it has nothing to do with military secrets. It's simply about uh, the supposedly a control of terrorism uh, that uh, initiative after 9-11. So, it, it, you know, it's, it's um, I think they're pulling it out of, you know, they, they just ran out of things to say and, and they came th with this up, but, but they didn't even do it as they should have done it. As the law says, they have to do it. Okay, Len? Yes, very good explanation. I just want to clarify, Anna, that the difference between a concern and a privilege. A concern is something that they express in their writings, but from a uh, judicial st uh, 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 point of view, they, if they want to claim some kind of privilege related to national security, they have to claim or assert a state secrets privilege, and they didn't do that. Is that correct, Anna? That is correct. It's this national security concern. It's like a small screen that you, you got it totally right. And that's how, because that's how courts, you see, everything you put into a paper before a court has to have either an executive order, a statute or prior case law. National security's concern is like, it's like a, a, a smoke screen because it ha that falls under the state secret privilege, which is a court created privilege. Man? Excellent. Thank you. Thank you, Anna. Um, that's all I prepared uh, from a legal standpoint. Um, Anna, do you have anything to add um, um, to our week 28 update? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I, I wanted, if you could give me uh, a little opportunity here, because this week we made a really good, uh, you know, the, we published, Targeted Justice published a really good newsletter regarding uh, the empowerment of, you know, that is, what did you do today? Again, what did you do today to end your targeting? And it's it was a post, it was a newsletter about how you can, with antennasearch.com, you can find the antennas within the range. If, if you get, you know, the weaponized antennas within a three mile range of your property or where you spend most time, most of your time, because it could be, you know, the eight hours of your work, uh, you can ride in most, the biggest uh, cell towers, owners and operators are, cell, are Crown Castle and um, American Tower. And um, well, it, the letter is, you know, that we, published in there is pretty self-explanatory and it is that in as much as they allow first of all as they weaponize and they allow a the criminals to attack people and uh and, and fire microwave weapons at them a, they are being uh you know co-authors co of of these heinous crimes and um and uh, there is a Securities Exchange Commission rule that says that if there is a situation, a legal situation that may, or any kind of situation that may uh, reduce the share price, the value of the shares in a company, the directors have a duty to inform their shareholders of a potential litigation. I think it's, uh, and, and so we apprised them of the lawsuit uh, before the Southern District of uh, Texas because um, many cell towers have been weaponized and they know about it. And the reason we know they know about it is because it's a special configuration. Okay. Many people had questions regarding the newsletter that was made explaining the cell towers as they're you know weaponized or not weaponized the first the most important um aspect of it is that it's got to have four panels those uh, just think of of this diagram as you're looking from above or from below the one two three four are the four panels uh, that they're rectangular some can be the long ones some can be the shorter ones but it's got to be four panels uh, for, uh, uh, the, for them to produce the microwave beams now, um, it, these 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 antennas uh, that have the, these towers that have these uh, uh, weaponized panels, 
they contain the microchip uh, that we have talked about, you know, that it's in the letter, the, the patented microchip that allows the use of cell tower, of cell tower antennas for the uh, creation of um, uh, microwave beams, basically weaponizing them. Um, they, 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 many of the antennas have various levels, okay? And maybe only one of the levels is weaponized. That's enough because um, with one of them, I mean, you can, you can hit, you can track and target, and this is not on Toledo. This is from, from Lighthouse. You can track and target up to a million people per second with one weaponized, you know, with a four panel weaponized antenna. Okay, so uh, why are there so many around us in such, in, especially in highly dense areas? We don't know, but, uh, but because it's an overkill. Uh, also, uh, they don't have to be in a tower. We saw, I saw here um, on top of a building, the configuration of the four panels atop a building. It wasn't atop a, a tower. So you just have to watch out and, and look for who owns that, that facility, okay? Uh, the towers also have what it's called a whip antenna, which receives, uh, sends and receives signals from the satellite, okay? The long, the long uh, panel uh, rectangles are the 4Gs, the shorter ones are 5Gs, and the ones that look a little fatter, like in between the long and the short, those are 3Gs and they're, they're um, being phased out. The most crucial thing is that the four panels have to be facing the same direction. If they're not facing the same direction, they can be eight, 10, 15, but if they're not four facing the same direction, it's not a weapon, okay? So that, that's a telltale sign. I want to bring the attention to this week, there was a news article uh, that I posted it in um, Twitter, 250,000 annual injuries of cell tower workers uh, getting burned. And I have to think that maybe those workers are getting in the way, they, they don't uh, turn off the power, they, they're getting in the way uh, of the microwave beams being fired at innocent civilians. And that's why they get burned. And they don't, because they don't know that the towers are being used as a weapon. Um, um, so that that is something that the unions and the people that work in cell towers may want to be listening into our case because it's relevant to their safety. If they're if they get on the way of a weapon that is firing at innocent civilians, they're gonna get hurt, and they're not being told that. Uh, so this this you know impacts them. Um, now the last thing, the last telltale sign about the towers that are weaponized is that they usually have an electric electricity generator in case of a power failure, you know, like a hundred kilo generator. That is a telltale sign. Also the cables that go up to the tower are probably like a two, two inches in diameter. Whereas uh, the ones that are not weaponized, it's like a straw. The cables are like the, the size, you know, the diameter of a straw. So that's, I mean, I don't know if you have any questions about this. Oh, I'm very important. The spherical ones, the round antennas that look like drums, uh, they have an energy output uh, 10 to 100 times than a normal panel. What this means is stay away from them. They have a range of 50 miles and they are just, you know, automatic brain cancer. If you live close to one of these, just move or stay away. A, a, a safe, you know, sort of safe uh, distance is at least a half a mile. So if you're, if you have one of those close to you, just get get out of the way of that, Be, uh, because they because the range is is not. I mean, it just goes everywhere. Okay. Uh, so that's, do you have any questions, Len? No, this is a, extremely important information. Uh, I, after receiving this information, I will be specifically looking at every cell tower I encounter. I will do the search, the uh, website that was provided, uh, antennasearch.com, something like that. 
uh, and I will uh, physically go to every cell tower around me and inspect them to see if they have the four panels, if uh, um, if uh, the configuration is is right. This is a, this is something that we targeted individuals have to do. And the information on targetedjustice.com is extremely reliable. There is nothing that hasn't been checked through. Uh, Richard Lighthouse is a physicist himself. He's a man of science. Uh, I am not a physicist. Uh, my my expertise is more of a biological, medical uh, aspects of this uh, of targeting. But the information on targetedjustice.com is extremely reliable. And please visit it you will see the diagrams you will see a lot of useful information and you can uh, uh, write uh this season this is letters to the owners of these cell towers so extremely useful information thank you anna yes we are more than three hundred thousand targeted individuals please send at least one letter go go check out which is the closest towers to you check if it's weaponized take a picture of their sign outside save it and please this is really crucial to our effort to shut down this evil program send at least one certified letter imagine if these companies get a thousand letters two thousand letters they're going to start paying attention to the fact that they might have class action lawsuits for billions of dollars and their companies are going to be worth silch. So in order to mitigate damages, they should remove the weaponization of their towers. So please just get off your, your seats this week, copy the letter, adapt it to you. We, it's there, copy it and send it. Send at least one letter. All right, that's a great idea. I have another uh, idea. Uh, I'm going to check if uh, any of these companies owning the cell towers are publicly traded, and you can buy even single share, and you will become become a shareholder of that company, which means that the board of directors will be held responsible to you as a shareholder. And you can raise this question uh, during the um, a quarterly meeting. For example, so that just that, that's just—that's the point. That's yeah. exactly the point. At least I know that the two bigger ones that are Frank Castle and uh, American Tower—they're publicly traded. That's why they have to disclose the information to their shareholders in their eight case and their ten case. Exactly, not disclosing it would be a violation of the uh, the SEC rules. Well, great. Now to our special guest, Chad. Uh, is a co-host of the Basement Hangout uh, podcast. Uh, the show is known for its moniker. It's a strange world. From the basement come Bob and Chad to contemplate it. Uh, Chad, your show spans a variety of topics, sometimes with levity and sometimes not. And uh, you, you have interviewed myriad of guests from uh, Harvard astronomer Avi Loeb. To yours truly. So welcome again to our Sunday show, Chad. Well, thank you, Len, and uh, thank you, Anna. You know, uh, we do span a lot of topics, and you know, we're a half comedy show, right? We're a half serious show. We've talked to experiencers of all types, uh, folks that have had experience with UFOs, uh, paranormal type stuff. And we talk politics sometimes. And then we saw you, Lynn, on another podcast, and it was such a fascinating discussion and your explanation of what you experienced in this uh, TI realm was so fascinating to us that uh, we kind of reached out to you via Twitter and you agreed to come on. And, you know, your story with us was, was so fascinating. And then when we published the podcast, we had a lot of reaction from not only our existing listeners, but new listeners who found out about the episode probably after you tweeted uh, about it. And we started receiving, I mean, just email after email uh, from folks who said that they were also TIs 
and that they would like to come on the show and, and give their story. Um, you know, some of them wanted to come on, but they weren't sure. At the last minute, they backed out. They were a little nervous. Um, a few of them didn't, their stories didn't uh, seem quite as um, on the up and up. But we ended up having Tracy on, who I think you know Tracy. And it was another fascinating discussion. And then once we published her account, we got even more responses from folks who wanted to come on. And you know, this is a really difficult subject because most people that are, are not or don't consider themselves to be TIs do not understand it. And frankly, probably don't believe it. Um, it's such a, an odd thing. You know, some of the questions that we've had as, as we've looked into the issue, you know, for example, why would they do this? I mean, just a very basic question. Why would they torture seemingly random people? Um, but we wanted to learn more. So, you know, we started saying to folks, you know, reach out, let's, let's hear your story and let's start to gather some um, patterns. Len, we heard from several people in email that they were having marital problems right around the time when their targeting, you know, began. So is that a pattern? I don't know. We, you know, we don't have enough information. Um, we heard several things like that. So we thought, let's get, a, let's get more on. Let's hear the stories. Let's start to maybe compile, um, you know, a list of these potential patterns, not necessarily from the technology aspect, because we're not, you know, experts in that kind of stuff. Um, and then we had a few folks come on, um, one individual who came on, and we weren't able to publish the uh, episode because um, he was mentioning private citizens by name too much, and we had to edit it all out. And by the time we did, uh, it wasn't a coherent um, narrative with all that editing. Um, and then we had another individual on recently, and, and he was so distraught when he came on, um, you know, it was very difficult for him to gather his thoughts. Um, we can edit it down into a coherent story and, and possibly publish it. We're going to send him the audio and, and make sure he gives the thumbs up. Um, but it just shows how, how deep it goes with people who consider themselves to be TIs and what a difficult subject it is for them. So, but Len, I would just throw it over to you. I mean, as we discussed when, when you came on our show, you know, the layman, the, the person who just thinks uh, TIs are, you know, going crazy, to use the pejorative term there, um, you know, the, the general questions they have is, you know, how does targeting occur anywhere? You know, when, when a TI travels, how does it follow them around? If, if they're in a hotel room, um, how does it hit the, the TI, but not the person in the room next to them, or, or possibly, you know, above and below them in the hotel? Um, and, you know, you had, it's interesting to hear the discussion about the towers and the microwaves and that kind of stuff, um, because I would I, potentially, you know, people would have the same, same question. Um, do you, what are your thoughts on that? my thoughts about the cell towers this is a real patented technology there's nothing uh, mysterious about it it's in black and white all it takes uh to be to get informed about it is to get into uh, uh get the patents and read them and understand that this is a real technology and it is an operational technology it's not exclusively cell towers because as i told you uh in my interview i went to the national radio quiet zone where no cell towers and i was still attacked so so the uh methods of delivery are perhaps multiple um perhaps satellites perhaps drones uh nothing is excluded but this is uh, strictly a speculation but People should understand the technology advanced so much and, and really surpassed, surpassed a public's imagination or imagination of, of many experts. Um, and and um, this is a real thing. We are in this lawsuit. Uh, the first state, the first stage is to uh is for the FBI to acknowledge that we are on this list. And once we are 
then we'll make a connection with our targeting because all 18 plaintiffs have a common shared experience and it is as Anna uh, many times said it is mathematically impossible for 18 people to be on the on this list and have the same experience I mean 330 million people um it, this is just uh, the overlap is not a coincidence right does, does that answer your question yeah it does you know we don't nobody knows the extent potentially of the technology and how how would you target somebody in a sea of people and not affect the people around them um Len, if if i can add to that um lockheed martin satellite that was launched in 2017 i mean 2016 it, they they do the tracking of every single human being this might not you know might be hard to assimilate but they do the tracking of every single human being through the top you know the top of our heads they are targeting us 24 7. that's how they know where we are these uh, um cell tower i uh, as i mentioned before they have a whip antenna which receives signals from satellites they know exactly where each ti is at every time you know every uh, place in the world that's why when they move outside of the United States, they continue, their targeting continues. Um, uh, I don't know if you know uh, uh, that you've Len shared with you that the attacks um, come from Shriver's Air Force Base. It has the most uh, powerful computer in the world. And it's it's a space, United States Space Force attacking innocent civilians in the United States and around the world. So mm. the, the reason, the way they track them is with satellites. And, um, and yes, it's very precise. However, uh, for example, if I'm getting my hair done and I'm getting attacked from a tower and my hairdresser stands in the way of the beam, she's going to absorb the hit, you know? So that, that's the extent of, of perhaps the inaccuracy could be somebody standing in the way of, of the hit you're getting, okay? Now, are, they, the, are they affected with the same negative effects when that happens? Yeah. Well, but because it's not a permanent thing, it, they'll just make, they might feel, um, uh, yesterday, uh, we, um, uh, we had this, uh, and Len, I want to share this with you. Um, somebody told this account to Richard Lighthouse. Uh, this man was in a fair, in a, in a, you know, one of these country fairs, and people were staring at him strange, like all of a sudden stared at him strangely, and including a little, like a 10-year-old kid, a kid. And he went to the kid and and gave the kid a $20 bill and said, why did you look at this? I'll give you this if you tell me why you'd stared at me like that. And the kid said, oh, because I felt some burning in my leg. Mm. Like, so it wasn't just the, 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 the these criminals make it seem like they're the, to make you seem paranoid and delusional. And it was that the kid was getting hit on the leg and it hadn't occurred to anybody to do this before, right? So it's like, yeah, that it, that was my the reaction. And so, I, you know, I think that was genius of him to do. And so the, the, the hairdresser that stands in the way of me uh, when I'm getting hit, well, she might feel, she might not even feel anything, you know, uh, or, or because it's so slight. Now, if you look into that this past week, 250,000 cell tower employees are getting injured with burns. To me, that tells me they are getting in the way of the microwave beams that are being fired. And at such close range, they definitely get, you know, fried. And so it, it's, it's the, the patents are there, the weaponization, that the microchip that goes into weaponizing a cell tower is patented and it's for the formation of microwave beams and the transmission of voice and data do not require this microchip. The only reason this configuration is created is for the production of microwave beams. So when people have the temptation to um, adjudicate a mental illness, to targeted individuals, the difficulty with that is that 
the, for example, auditory effect, it's a patented, uh, it's patented and has been admitted by the United States Air Forces that they use it as a weapon of war. Uh, the ne remote neuron monitoring is also patented. Uh, so is the weaponization of these towers, but they don't call it weaponization, but with the microchip and the four panels is also patented. So this is all based on science. Uh, just the fact that you cannot see it doesn't mean it's not real. Right. Yeah, so the next question, Len, when you came on our show, what was it, like six months ago, maybe? Uh, it was something like that. February. Okay. In February. So, uh, you know, one of the questions I had for you was, why do you think that they target individuals who have seemingly no, you know, um, pertinence to, you know, national security or, or what have you? Like, almost like it seems random outside of the, uh, the list that you guys were referring to. And at the time when you said, I'm not really interested in the why, I'm just desperate to get, get it to stop and figure out how to make it stop. I just wonder if you've, you know, since the lawsuits progressed and stuff, if you've had any additional thoughts on on the potential for, for why. No, uh, it I'd still it's still my position. Uh, uh, during the discovery, we will uh, find out what the nomination process uh, looks like. Um, FBI openly admitted that they put uh, law-abiding Americans on the uh, terrorist uh, certain database uh, in, in, into a terrorist certain database using secret criteria that are not uh, disclosable to the public. So even by its own admission, the FBI says, uh, we nominate people, but we can't tell you why. And therefore, I still don't know what the reason for my inclusion into the list and what is the reason for my targeting i can only speculate so my position remains the same and if i may if i may uh ask you chad sure. uh, uh, a question you asked me all these uh, tough questions uh, including why you um why targeting occurs anywhere how is it possible how they penetrate the walls and not affect other people um is the mental issue how much resources uh is used to do it to you i mean all these skeptical uh questions that are uh, you are right to ask uh, this is what skepticism should look, look like but what i'm interested is what kind of evidence would satisfy you um and you personally and and a let's say a skeptic uh, in general so i'm not a skeptic that technology exists right because we know about the havana syndrome uh we know that happened right we know that people in the u.s embassy in cuba were affected big time and the government had to do investigations so clearly there's technology that exists to do that stuff right um i wouldn't even call myself a skeptic I'm, I'm just trying to come from the angle of the people who don't believe it or think it's mental health issues. And the biggest question is why would they do this? Um, because if they are doing it, it is potentially, or it is the, the biggest story for you know, humanity in the United States and elsewhere that your government potentially is torturing innocent people for some reason that nobody knows in a way that you don't even know how it's happening or why it's happening. And so, you know, trying to understand the motive, I mean, when you go, obviously Anna knows this, when there's um, a, a crime that's been committed or a murder, let's say, and you go to court, right, the first thing they got to find and try to find out is motive. What is the motive behind torturing random innocent people? And I think you know, it's hard to wrap your head around it without understanding the motive. Len, if you can, if yeah. you can let me address that, I'd be more than happy because, um, yeah, you know, a targeted justices um, has done a lot of research during the five past five years since its creation. 
the, the, we believe it's twofold. The motives is twofold. This is the deep state. This was the deep state's uh, a baby. You know, it's, it's, it's most, uh, I think, important uh, instrument of, of controlling population. Uh, one of the reasons it's created, it's a deterrent of whistleblowers. If you speak out, you will end up tortured for the rest of your life. And the reason we, we uh, believe this is the highest per capita uh, incidence of targeted individuals, uh, as per our research, is in Washington, D.C. People in the uh, political arena, in, in, you know, in, in the capital, are very well aware that if you um, are against uh, the narrative, you will be, and you denounce corruption, and you denounce the swamp, you will be placed in, on this list, and you will live to regret it. Uh, mm -hmm. The other thing is the human experimentation aspect of it. It is, and, and this sounds very sci-fi, but it's very real. We just have to talk to TIs and see the long list of, of TIs that have taken their lives. The, there is a rule book, there is manuals, and there are rules uh, for this program. For example, they can torture you to the point where you desire to die, but they cannot kill you. Uh, they, at least, you know, recently, maybe they, they'll go overboard uh, um, attacking your heart or your or your head, and then there might be, you know, one or another casualty that was not expected because they went overboard. However, the goal of the program is to make you put you into submission and into taking your own life. The goal is, let's see how far we can take this person so the person will take their own life. And that's why not everybody gets B2K, not everybody gets the same level of gang stalking. It's a, it's a plethora, it's a menu of things they do to people. And, uh, and they're just, with the different types of personalities and, and brains, I guess, they're trying to see how they get you to go on your knees and to kill yourself. And uh, and so, you know, like Melanie from Mikator in, in Europe says, I am very, this is the one thing I'm very proud to be a failed experiment because, you know, all of the survivors, TI survivors are failed experiments that didn't take their lives. So it's basically, um, they want to decipher those things in different types of personalities that make the difference, particularly people, difficult people that, that make that, so that the government can take control of you and, and exert control over you and control your brain and control your mind. And, you know, that sounds very conspiratorial, but when you look at the numbers, it's there. Also, mostly over 66% of the people in the program are women, middle-aged women. It's a hate crime. It's designed for single women that live alone because that way they can use them as, you know, praise because they will be, you know, how in the middle ages, oh, they're crazy. She's crazy. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, it's such a machista thing because it's, it's perpetuating the narrative that women are crazy. Okay. Uh, discounting our, our, our word. So I, I hope I answered you, but those, that, those are the two primar, primary uh, reasons. Number one, deterrent of whistleblowers of corruption, and number two, figuring out your brain in order to perfect world domination. That's uh, fascinating and disturbing. Uh, but yeah, thank, thank you for that uh, information. Uh, Len, I just want to throw out there for, for your listeners, that we do want to have more TIs on to tell their story and, and get it out there. Uh, if I could, it's not a shameless plug, just if you're interested in, in telling your story in a, a forum outside of, you know, just the TI community, just go to our website, thebasementhangout.com, and, and hit the contact link and uh, send us a note, because um, we are very interested in hearing more. That That's really wonderful, because... Uh we want to speak to people who are not targeted individuals this is how the message will get through you are absolutely right this is the most important topic that should be discussed at every kitchen table because what what's a, what's at stake what at stake is 
the future of humanity, the future of human species. Uh, I would like to add something to uh, Anna's um, um, explanation um, about the reasons why it's been done. One element that I would like to emphasize is that this torture-based program trains AI to manipulate people at the um, personal, at the individual level, and and mass. This element cannot be um, overlooked. Um, we know that AI can decipher uh, your thoughts, your emotions, that a um, uh, your uh, sort of a model of your brain uh, can exist in the cloud. So there is a, a, a brain cloud interface, and the modern technology allows this um, connection uh, between the brain and the and the cloud at the speed of light. So everything is happening in real time with AI sitting on top of it, deciphering and and running torture-based program. There's no there are no oper not no human operators that that are sitting 24/7 and operating so many people. Uh, AI aspect is important, and I think what we're doing, the, what, what targeted individuals are doing, uh, they are training AI to control uh, the population. Mm. Chad. Very interesting um, and scary. That's, yes, that's true. Uh, it is It is scared, but we have no fear because we don't have an option. Uh, we haven't been given an option. Our, our only options option is to speak and fight legally and in the court of public opinion um and chad we really appreciate that you're stepping up and willing to help us out i think your show um brought this um topic out of the shadows into a more reasonable realm and i think you really helped people to understand that this is not a mental issue. Um, that is the number one concern that people have that you correctly identified. And I think you, your show really helped to address that topic. I appreciate so we, that. Thank you. Well, uh, Len, um, Len, if yes. I could add something to that, and it is that everyday Americans have to connect the dots. There has been a, a special agent friend, special agent O'Boyle, that have been whistleblowers, among many, that have been talking about the pressure to classify as domestic terrorist parents that go to school boards, and uh, for example. And but the thing is that they haven't connected the dot that classifying them as a domestic terrorist translates to placing them on the terrorist screening database. And they and therein lies the, I say the crime of a supervisory agents at the FBI pressuring special agents that are saying this person doesn't class doesn't meet the criteria to be why are you pressuring me to put this person as a, a domestic terrorist oh because the agency wants more funding but the truth of it, of it is that they wanted to swell the names on this list to submit more people to this torture program and exert more control over the population. So one has to listen and pay attention to what's going on around us because what O'Boyle and friend are saying is nothing other than because they are putting more people, innocent people in a terrorist list when they know they are not terrorists. Why? And the only reason is because they want to add people to this roster. So it's it's everything is connected here, and and we have to pay attention. Everyday Americans have to pay attention that if your neighbor has as fat with you and has the right connections, you can end up on this list, as most many many of our TIs have told us. 
you call the police on a neighbor because she's making too much noise. That's one of our TIs in Dallas. She ended up in the list. You know, it's, it's just things that when you are doing what you're supposed to do, if that person is a criminal and that person has the right connections with other criminals, you will end up on the list. And so this is for good law-abiding Americans to be worried about. Okay? Those are very important words, Anna. Uh, we're coming to, to the end of, the, uh, of our show and I will uh, borrow something uh, from Chad from your show, something that you do um, at the end of every podcast. You ask uh, your guest and yourself for the word of wisdom, advice, or something important that they want to say. So a word of wisdom from you, Chad, please. All right. Well, my words of wisdom uh, are going to basically dovetail from our moniker, right? It is a strange world. Not everything is as it appears. So try to keep an open mind when it comes to new and seemingly strange experiences and look beyond, you know, what's right in front of your eyes. That's thank you. Thank you, Chad. This is these are the words to live by. We live in a strange time and what's what seems to be impossible is possible now. And we need to open our eyes and open our minds to these possibilities. Anna, um, would you like to uh, share words of wisdom? Uh, um, please. Yeah, you know, you know, I always do. Uh, <laughs> this, this is a battle uh, for our freedom. Okay, and every person counts. This week on the 12th, uh, Wednesday the 12th of July 12th, uh, Mr. Christopher Ray, the director of the FBI, is going to be testifying before the weaponization committee. I urge every single TI and even non-TIs out there to call the members of the weaponization committee and in a very calm, cool, and collected a tone express your desire for these representatives of the people in the United States to ask why are innocent civilians placed in a terrorist database? Why do they insist on doing this? What is behind it? And you, you know, you can concoct your own questions, obviously very respectfully, but please, get go to uh, go to the congressional even we in in substack we have a list of who the members are call not just jim jim jordan call the other ones make them aware of this travesty make them aware of the case uh in pending in houston that you know it's the four uh semicolon 23 dash civil dash 1013 pending before the united states district court for the Southern District of Texas. It's it's up to all of us. It takes a whole community to bring this down and not only sending your letter this week, but also calling any of the members of the weaponization committee to ask specific questions to Mr. Ray about, about this. We're counting on you. Len? Thank you, Anna. Um, I hope everybody listens uh, to Anna's advice and writes to Jim Jordan. And uh, um, I hope that uh, Mr. Ray, uh, Mr. Ray's tes testimony will be um, as eye-opening as our show. As for me, uh, my words of wisdom, uh, my sentiment is uh, intellectual humility. Um, rejecting the claims of targeted individuals and labeling them mentally off is a declaration of your lack of being informed about the possibility of modern-day advanced neurological biosurveillance and advances in neuroweapons systems capable of, of, inflicting, of inflicting harm, incapacitation, and brain degradation. I witnessed even very smart public intellectuals often rejecting these claims 
based on their own intuition. But our intuition is not a good indicator uh, of how much technology has actually advanced because it, it truly surpassed our imagination. So please have the intellectual humility to say, I don't know if you are uninformed about these advances. Nothing stays secret forever. And even the most secret technology will one day be public knowledge. Sometimes it takes a lifetime, but please don't lose hope. We will keep fighting to expose these inhumane technological atrocities in courts and in the court of public opinion. Until that happens, we will be here every Sunday, rain or shine.